and to do everything possible to apply the rules of fairness and equity, which means um, if you exceed 20 minutes, I will have to stop you. So the maximum time we have for our presentation is 20 minutes. And, um, and um, uh, after that, uh, I will uh, ask for, uh, except if then uh, you have not finished and we finish far ahead of time, we may reconsider <coughs> uh, reverting back. Um, we is the first uh, array to make the presentation. On Pasache. Uh, no, Pasa is very disciplined. I know uh, from now, Prasa take us through up until, uh, I think I'm correct, 25 past. In fact, it's supposed to be 23 minutes past, but um, take us up until at a maximum 25 past. Uh, over to you, Prasa. On Pasa, Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, don't put me in trouble. Why, why do I think of Prasa? Uh, no, please uh, bear with me. I'm thinking out of school. Prasa, yes. It doesn't look as if they're on the platform chair. I don't see them yet. Now that's wrong for a government entity, especially an entity of ours, not to be on time when we are supposed to do this. Um, is there anyone who is ready from the next ones? Busa, chair. Eh? Busa, Business Unity South Africa, chair. Um, are you ready, Business Unity South Africa? Yes, chair, we are. But uh, I know they always say business is always on time. I hope so, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Take us to take us to twenty-five past. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, Chair, Honourable Members, Ladies and Gentlemen. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope we'll be much shorter than twenty minutes. We're certainly going to do our best. Busa has already engaged in a line-by-line -line analysis on this amendment bill in NEDLAC in 2018. And we have shared these inputs with this subcommittee. Um, and we trust as well that the NEDLAC report coming out of that um, process has likewise been shared with the committee. So today we're going to focus our presentation rather on some key principles around gas in the economy that we'd like to highlight. Chair, I take it everyone can see my screen. Yes, we can. Great. Thank you so much. So, Chair, from a booster point of view, energy security, we believe, is second only to the rollout of vaccinations and its importance for the country's efforts to recover and rebuild the economy. To this end, we have argued that energy policy and legislation and regulations and rules and procedures around electricity generation must be enabling. They must create a framework to ensure that we have the fastest rate of additional capacity coming online at the least cost. This should also, where technically possible and affordable, contribute to the decarbonization of the South African energy mix. 
This holds true regardless of the technology and should be the primary point of deviation for policymakers. To this end, we believe that any unnecessarily onerous or lengthy requirements must be revised and removed to ensure that electricity generation technologies can be deployed as quickly as possible. BUSA is not advocating in this stance for the circumvention of any necessary processes to ensure fair and transparent procurement of power, nor rubber stamping or circumvention of any of the very real and necessary authorizations or approvals required, but simply urging government and policymakers to ensure that the processes are simplified and streamlined in recognition of the very real energy crisis being faced by our country. To this end- Recording in progress. Sorry, we would encourage the honorable members of this committee and the department officials in reviewing this bill to consider this in the context before finalization. Bruce's submission in our line-by-line -line analysis highlights some of the onerous requirements. Um, Chair, we believe that natural gas as a transition fuel will be critical in the journey towards South Africa's decarbonisation. Natural gas will initially grow as an enabler to the integration of wind and solar into the power system at scale. But natural gas will then need to be gradually replaced by other technologies which are still nascent in their development to reach net zero emissions, which must be done ultimately by 2025. And this is in line with our nationally determined contribution that we recently submitted and the Paris Agreement bolts. Natural gas's applications beyond electricity generation and current users in industry contribute significantly to the economy as shown on this slide. Further, there's a growing demand for natural gas for industrial use, and this exceeds the current supply. An enabling legislative framework to facilitate additional supply is key and urgent. The window of opportunity is closing for more as, sorry, as more and more developed countries and multilateral development banks and other sources of capital become, come under increasing pressure to halt funding for all fossil fuels. In respect of supply and demand, there is no or limited additional molecule availability since 2016. The Pande and Tamane volumes from Mozambique are declining from the 1st of January 2025 at approximately 10 to 15% per annum. The outcome uncertainty of current risk mitigation strategies for natural gas supply for Mozambique puts the certainty of supply for South Africa's gas needs at risk. The supply of methane-rich gas will decline, and this exposes particularly industries in KwaZulu-Natal. There is extreme regulatory complexity for LNG infrastructure development um, because it involves multi, let's call it a multilateral cooperation between various departments, including the Department of Public Enterprises, Department of Mineral Resources and Energy, Department of Environment, 
Forestry, Fisheries and Environment, the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition, National Treasury and the Department of Transport, particularly in respect to the Ports Act and the infrastructure that needs to be developed within the ports to enable us to import LNG. The declining energy supply economics for industry in South Africa with a high power cost, the supply risk from the current electricity supply and declining refinery capacity puts South Africa's economic growth and stability at risk. Chair, part of what BUSA has been engaging with, um, with the department currently, and we do need to explore this further with the Department of Transport and TMPA as well, is an interim solution for the supply and demand dynamics. We're proposing that bridging infrastructure or a bridging solution rather be put in place in the ports while government develops the infrastructure as outlined and provided for in the bill. Further engagement, as I said, is needed on this solution and policy and regulatory misalignment is an enormous challenge that must be overcome to facilitate this. Chair, in conclusion, BUSA sees, as I said, the role of gas as critical in terms of energy security and supply going forward. This in turn is critical for economic recovery and growth. Beyond gas to power, we believe that there are significant opportunities for gas in terms of industrialization. The LNG bridging should be prioritized as a short-term solution to ensure that we get continuous supply for the energy demand. And this needs a coordinated and enabling policy framework to unlock the potential investment and development in natural gas over the short to long term. Accordingly, this bill should be reviewed in the context of any unnecessarily onerous or lengthy requirements, which should be addressed and removed to ensure a streamlined and expeditious process can be followed so that we can ensure energy security for the country and growth for the economy. Thank you, Chair. That was typical business-like. Uh, <coughs> I now understand when people say we mean business, uh, what do they mean? What is the meaning? Thank you very much, Bosa. Sorry, sorry for my um, um, squeakings from Prasa to Pasa when it's supposed to be onshore Petroleum Association of South Africa, which is on Pasa. Uh, you see, the problem with South African applications is exactly that. Uh, is uh, on PASA on board? We are. Uh, Mr. Fritz. That is correct. Go ahead, sir. 20 minutes of your time. Thanks so much. Sorry, is, is my screen coming up? Not yet. 
I've been having some diffi technical difficulties this morning. Yes. Is the presentation showing? Absolutely. So, um, thank you, Chair. Uh, just before we start, uh, I do want to make apologies on, on behalf of the Chairperson of Ampasa, who is unfortunately not be able to present today, but who will be presenting uh, on our side is Mr. Francois Hubert, who is on the line and is ready to present. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen of the Portfolio Committee and other colleagues on the call. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I think it is a, a great initiative to allow uh, proper transparent um, participation, and we hope that this will certainly lead to uh, a very fruitful discussion. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, just to recap on, on PASA, it's a formal association um, and was established as far back as 2012. It represents upstream participants in the oil and gas industry. All members must have either valid permits, exploration rights, and or production rights. Uh, these are issued by the Petroleum Agency of South Africa under the Department of Mineral Resources. And currently, um, on PASA consists of approximately eight right holders. Uh, next. Our members consist of uh, various international and local um, industry leaders. And next one, uh, Will. If, if you can go back, let me just properly introduce our members to the Portfolio Committee, Badimo Gas, um, Bundu Oil and Gas Exploration, Challenger Energy, Inert Gas Industries, Moonstone Investments, uh, Sunbird Energy, Tetra 4, Ringeta, Nzami Resources, Twala, Nyamande, um, and those are our current members. Currently, next one, currently um, the onshore permit and the right holders consist of um, nine TCP holders, 44 exploration right holders, and one production right holder. And under application, we've got 11 um, TCPs and 15 exploration rights. Thank you, Will. As, as you will see, most of, uh, of the members' activities occurs um, in the central, northern, western, and um, central Karoo Basin, and it consists of shale gas, tight gas, CBM gas, as well as biogenic gas. Thank you. Um, to lead into our present or submission, um, we want to give you a very quick overview and say the South African oil and gas industry is still very much a developing industry and requires both local and foreign capital investment for its success. Um, as is the case with most mining pro projects, development oil and gas projects are capital, very capital intensive, without seeing any return on investments for some time after the investment has commenced. And this may, makes investment obviously very risky. And we need certainty specifically from a regulatory framework perspective. In participating in these consultations, Ampasa hopes to contribute to the creation of a stable and attractive regulatory framework to attract investment into South Africa 
over a, a very long period of time. And on PASA has already submitted a date, detailed written submissions on the gas amendment bill and will only as part of this presentation discuss the most pertinent representations. It's important to also note that um, on PASA has not only commented on the gas bill, but also um, in detail on the upstream resources development bill. Um, that's also before Parliament. Thank you, Will. Um, most of our um, comments applies to maybe a streamlining or uh, tweaking of the definitions as currently proposed in the bill. Thank you. Ne next one. Um, but apart from the definitions and our concerns around certain of the definitions, we also want to discuss um, other aspects such as the terms of the licenses, non-transferability of licenses, revocation of license and the regulations of tariff and maximum prices also need to discuss. Um, if we look at the definition of gas um, as a starting point, currently the amendment bill says all hydrocarbon gases, including natural gas, artificial gas, hydrogen rich gas, methane rich gas, synthetic gas, coal bed methane gas, liquefied natural gas, compressed natural gas, regasified liquefied natural gas, gasified liquefied petroleum gas, or any combination thereof. Now, currently, the Gas Act focuses on the regulation of piped hydrocarbon gases. The amendment bill, on the other hand, seeks to regulate all hydrocarbon gases, whether they are transported via pipeline or not, as the proposed definition of gas under the amendment bill no longer refers to gases transported by pipeline. It's a very wide um, definition. The proposed defi definition, in our view, may create uncertainty as it does not distinguish between gas produced and regulated under the MPRDA. In order to prevent any potential confusion, this definition should be amended to explicitly exclude gas that is regulated under the MPRDA. Another overarching, um, and you can stay there, Will, thank you. Another overarching concern is double regulation. Um, our members through the MPRDA are regulated for their activities, their prospect, uh, their, their exploration and production activities and TCP activities under the MPRDA. And it seems if though the legislators in terms of uh, on the NERSA side, the energy regulator also wants to double regulate upstream activities under the Gas Act as opposed to the MPRDA. And our on passer submission is is that there should be one system which regulates upstream product exploration and production and not two systems. Um, so next one, thank you, Will. The second one, which is also problematic, is the definition of distribution. The definition of distribution under the Gas Act currently is defined as the distribution of bulk gas supplies and the transportation thereof by pipelines with a general operating pressure of and and and. The amendment bill proposes expanding this definition of distribution so that it is no longer just limited to the distribution of bulk gas supplies um, and the distribution and transportation thereof by pipelines. 
Again, um, the definition proposed by the amendment bill would accordingly apply to any distribution or transmission, transportation of gas with a general operating pressure of more than two bar gauge and, and less than 15 bar gauge by any means. Again, from our side, the pro proposed definition may create uncertainty as it does not distinguish between gas produced and regulated under the MPRDA. Again, this um, uncertainty, who is the actual regulator of upstream activities. In order to prevent any potential confusion, we require a little bit of tweaking there. Same applies to transmission. Um, definition of transmission, the amendment will pro uh, proposes expanding the definition of transmission that it is no longer limited to the bulk transportation of gas by pipeline, but rather applies to the transport of gas by pipeline other than in an upstream pipeline, which is our emphasis. Um, we need to tweak that as well. Next one. In terms of the definition of storage, the amendment bill proposes changing the definition of storage in the Gas Act from a holding of gas as a service to the holding of gas in fixed infrastructure. We require clarification as to what will constitute fixed infrastructure as it is not currently defined. This is particularly important given that compressed natural gas is typically transported from the point of compression to the supply point via mobile storage units, which are not fixed. Fixed infrastructure should either be clearly defined to include mobile storage units, which are not fixed or replaced with more appropriate terminology. Furthermore, we propose a definition that, um, that will not create uncertainty between the regulation under the MPRDA and the Gas Act. Um, so that needs to be tweaked. Thank you. Next one. Current definition of trading. The current definition of trading under the Gas Act is the purchase and sale of gas as a commodity by any person and any services associated therewith, excluding the construction and operation of transmission, storage, and distribution systems. The proposed definition of trading under the bill, um, however, is that the sale of gas to a reticulator to an end consumer and by a transmission company or a distribution company and any activity incidental thereto, including the construction and operation of trading infrastructure, and specifically states that the construction and operating of liquefaction, regasification, transmission storage, and distribution facilities ex is excluded from this definition. So, the definition of trading proposed by the amendment bill applies to transmission or distribution companies that sell gas and not to any person who purchases and sell gas, as per the current definition in the Gas Act. Um, next one, the proposed amendment would therefore result in a lot more people having to apply for licenses as it would no longer be limited to the purchase and sale of gas, which would increase nursery administrative burden. It is proposed that this definition applies to the purchase and sale of gas as it is currently um, the position under the Gas Act. And again, trying to align, you know, giving certainty to the industry, what is regulated under the MPRDA, what is regulated under the Gas Act. Thank you. Next. Um, 
given definition of eligible customer, given its potential economic impact, um, it is on PASA's view that the qualifying threshold should only be determined or amended through a prescribed consultative process, which of course has not happened as yet. It is proposed that the will determined is replaced with as prescribed. Thank you. Then just to, to draw a little bit on the registration requirements, um, according to section 15B1 of the amendment bill, um, the proposal is to increase the number of people obliged to register with NERSA and therefore exempted from applying for and holding a license as per Schedule 1. Um, this provision does not refer to gas produced and regulated under the MPRDA. In order to prevent any potential confusion, this provision should be amended to expressly exclude gas that is regulated under the MPRDA. Furthermore, the amendment bill has not provided any time periods and merely states that the application for registration must be submitted in the form and manner prescribed by NERSA. Neither the pipe gas regulations nor the Gas Act rules of 2021 stipulate the period of registration operations. This should be addressed to give more certainty in terms of administrative process flow to the industry. Thank you. Next. Um, in terms of our reading of the disposal of gas assets controlled by the state provision that the amendment bill um, proposes, the gas amendment bill proposes to repeal this provision from the Gas Act. However, the gas amendment bill does not include an equivalent provision, which means that a state-controlled entity may sell any of its shares or assets covered by a license that it acquired pursuant to Section 92 to any privately controlled entity without an open, any open and transparent bidding procedure. This is unacceptable. It must be, if you are going to alienate, if you're going to change control, you need to go through a transparent process. You cannot do it unilaterally um, through this provision. Section 20 of the Gas Act should not be repealed. It is important that there is an open and transparent process in place in respect of the disposal of gas assets controlled by the state. We need to understand as South Africans what happens to our national assets on that side. Thank you. Next one. Um, in terms of Section 22A proposed exclusivity, the amendment bill proposes including a separate provision that deals specifically with geographic exclusivity. The amendment bill proposes extending the geographic exclusivity provision to include distributors as well as traders of gas. For us, it is also important to note that the definition of distrib distribution under the amendment bill has been extended so that it is no longer limited to the distribution of bulk gas supplies. Effectively, this means that any distributors and traders of gas that have been granted exclusivity by NERSA must apply gas must supply gas to any person within the exclusive geographic area on request, provided that the gas can be delivered in an economically viable manner. So all customers in a distribution area for which a license has been granted exclusively, other than the eligible customers, reticulators and customers of reticulators must purchase their gas from the relevant licensee. That's what we say, keep it to the licensee. This proposed provision is concerning as it will effectively prevent distributors and traders of gas from trading freely across the country and 
will create geographic monopolies and anti-competitive behavior. We understand that traders of petroleum are not confined to certain geographic areas and are free to set up service stations on a national basis. In our view, there should be a similar approach in the gas industry. It is proposed that this section should be removed in its entirety. In, in respect of the term of a license provisions proposed, the proposed removal of the minimum validity period of 20 years may lead to uncertainty. It is proposed that this provision is amended to specifically specify the minimum validity period of a particular license. This is especially important um, in terms of financing new projects. Investors or stake other um, uh, lending stakeholders want to know over which term do they need to invest or finance a project? So please bring back, um, you know, the term. In terms of the non-transferability of licenses, Section 23 of the Amendment Bill does not cater for instances where a licensee wishes to assign, seat, or transfer its license to a related entity. License should be freely transferable between related entities. Under both the current Gas Act and the Amendment Bill, according to Section 25, a licensee who wishes to surrender its license may apply to NERSA to do so, provided that another person is willing and demonstrably, uh, demonstrably able to assume the rights and obligations of the licensee. A new license is then issued to such person. Uh, a licensee should be able to assign, seat, or transfer its license to a related entity without the related entity having to apply for a new license. It is proposed that this provision is amended to deal with instances where a licensee wishes to assign, seed or transfer its license to a related entity. Currently, it is silent on that. Next one. Revocation of a license. The current position under the Gas Act is that a license may only be suspended or revoked on application to the High, uh, to the high Court by NERSA. The proposed amendment, however, seeks to empower NERSA to revoke a license without having to apply to the High Court. Given the serious impact of revoking licensees' license, in our view, um, it is preferable to involve an independent third party in the process, such as the High Court. It is proposed that this, the current position under the Gas Act be retained, such that NERSA may only revoke a license on application to the High Court. Last, regulation of tariffs and maximum prices. The current position under Section 4H of the Gas Act is that NERSA must monitor and approve and, if necessary, regulate transmission and storage tariffs. This amendment pro uh, proposes to empower NERSA to regulate all tariffs and maximum prices. Given the complex and varying nature of gas projects, we are concerned that NERSA will not have the capacity to differentiate how different projects and entities will operate. The proposed provision also restricts the ability of entities to trade freely at competitive prices. This is likely to discourage investment, especially if one thinks in the application process, you need to demonstrate that it is an equitable dispensation, that it's not anti-competitive. So all are there. So there's no need for unilateral power uh, to, to just in, invoke maximum prices when you, we want to. It is proposed that the current position under the Gas Act is retained such that NERSA may monitor and approve tariffs and only regulate where necessary and in consultation with the licensee. 
Um, ladies and gentlemen of the Portfolio Committee, thank you so much for your time. And we certainly hope that on PASA's representations and suggestions will assist you in creating a long-term, long sustainable, stable regulatory framework for oil and gas projects in South Africa. And thank you for, your, for all your effort that you're putting in to get this done correctly. We thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Onpasa. Uh, uh, who's next, Ari? The South African Oil and Gas Alliance Chair. Yes, Sakoa. Good morning, honorable members. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for this opportunity. My name is Adrian Stradom, and I'm the Executive Director CEO at Sahoga. Uh, I will be introducing you to Sahoga and to the team. Firstly, allow me to introduce you to the presenters from the Sahoga Gas Economy leadership group. Sahoga has four engagement fora functioning under the Sahoga Board of Directors. Firstly, the Gas Economy Leadership Group that is leading this presentation today. In addition, we have the Port Cluster Leadership Group, Shell Gas Leadership Group, and the MOGA focusing on capacity building. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the presenters are Mr. Craig Morkel, who is the chair of the Sahoga Gas Economy Leadership Group. Uh, he is responsible for opening remarks this morning. And then secondly, Mr. Brent Peterson uh, is from BP, BBP Law. Uh, he's uh, the first presenter, Mr. Nzi Tokolo. Group CEO of SLG will be another presenter. And thirdly, Mr. Tabu Sepua from DNG Energy. Mr. Craig Morkel will do the closing remarks at the end of the presentation. Sahoga is the leading oil and gas and energy industry association in existence for more than a decade. We are regularly reaching a database of more than 5,000 persons. Our membership uh, varies between 150 and 240 companies. We are actively engaging in networking the sector through industry events online and in person when that is possible. Sahoga is a DTIC joint action group, and we organize outbound and inbound trade missions in that capacity. We do advocacy and lobbying, aggregate intelligence about the sector on oil and gas and energy, and 
engage in capacity building in the sector through skills development and enterprise and supplier development initiatives. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I will hand over to the chair of the Gas Economy Leadership Group, Mr. Craig Morkel. Thank you, Mr. Morkel. So, Mr. Morkel will be talking about the context of the Gas Act Amendment Bill. Uh, Mr. Morkel, uh, are you able to speak? So, you may have some, you may be having some technical challenges. Uh, and then essentially we will continue with the presentation for the sake of time. Uh, and we will allow him to come in when he's able to come in. So in terms of the policy context, uh, section 24 of the constitution developmental and environmental objectives uh, are look, being looked at in terms of the environment, uh, people, planet, and prosperity has to be taken into consideration. And we need to make sure that the one supports the other. It is important that we look at the social, the economic uh, in context and make sure that the energy, oil and gas industry serves South Africans. So we'll be focusing on some of the issues related to the gas definition, uh, legislation, regulations, and then some of the regulatory rules. Uh, in this presentation, we will have uh, the expert speaking uh, on regulatory rules, uh, H2 regulations, there is a need to tighten that up and make sure that we have adequate regulatory frameworks as we proceed in the energy transition. Uh, so if we could just go to the next slide, uh, which will soon get some of the other speakers on board, they know exactly when they need to come in. So uh, currently we are, as Sahoga, engaged in some of the master planning that is happening in terms of the ocean's economy and some of the lessons that one can learn from that context. It is important to look at how we cascade those lessons into uh, the space of uh, the gas economy. And uh, it is so important uh, that we have a, a coordinated approach to all of this uh, in terms of the legislation. Legislation should create the space for industry to function adequately and with confidence uh, so that 
it makes it easier for industry to, to get involved, but also for investors to invest with confidence. Uh, so uh, if we can go to the next slide, just for the sake of time, uh, we uh, you know, have to look at the procurement context. And I think the next speaker uh, will be coming up uh, to deal with uh, some of the next slides. But in terms of the procurement context, uh, it is important that we look at what the risks are, uh, threats and opportunities. Uh, investors want to see value add, and it's important that there is value add. Uh, so uh, in terms of the IPB officer's role, uh, the gas to power program is an important uh, part of, of, of what is happening. Uh, the uh, ports that we have, uh, is, it's important that that, that gets uh, exposure. At the end of the day, we would like to see employment creation. We would like to see uh, our country being developed uh, economically and get out of this uh, sort of, uh, you know, the, the get past the COVID barriers. So can we go to the next slide, please? Uh, so at this point, uh, the next speaker will come in. Um. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning, Chair and members of the Portfolio Committee. My name is Brent Peterson. Um, I am the first presenter and an attorney at BBP Law. Um, and we would just like to thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to provide our input to the Gas Act Amendment Bill. Um, and as a legal firm uh, specializing in oil and gas, you know, naturally as an attorney, we want to make sure that we dig into the detail and ensure that when it comes to the definitions in legislation, that it is crystal clear and that there is no room for um, alternative interpretation and that the wording is crystal clear in terms of the reader's view and the reader being able to understand exactly what the legislature's intention is when it comes to the interpretation and the application of the provisions of the Act. Um, as, a, as a first point, um, one of the things that we considered was the, the removal or the deletion of the word uh, of the term, you know, Department of Mineral Resources and um, the inclusion or the proposed amendment that it just be the Department of Energy. Um, our, our, our recommendation really is that the, the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy be retained as it is, um, as our understanding is that the oil and gas uh, sector industry, while it is in its nascent um, stage, still falls under the specific department or the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. And as we understand it, you know, nothing else has changed um, as far as another appointment of a regulatory authority is concerned, um, particularly with the relevant sections that, that apply. Um, and with that said, our, our proposed amendment is that that department be retained. 
the second aspect is when we were looking at the term of Section 4D in consultation with the Minister, while we understand that the energy regulator will have duties and functions, um, the ultimate call is and the ultimate decision is always being made by the minister itself. But what we want to ensure is that there is not an overlap in terms of the discretionary powers, uh, more of aligning the uh, aligning oneself to the objectives of the act. And if those objectives are specifically clear and the provisions are, are, are made uh, with, with sound clarity or, 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 or can be clarified clearly in terms of the yet, ultimately the, the, our guidance or our first point of call would be that specific section or be that specific provision. So our recommendation is that as far as um, any, in, any requirements to, have, uh, to be in consultation with a minister, um, where there may be additional discretionary powers uh, that be dealt with on a case-by-case basis, but ultimately the first point of call would be what the objectives and the provisions are that set out in the Act. Um, thank you. Next slide. As far as Section uh, 16C is concerned, uh, we, we understand that the, the provisions set out in Section 16 um, specifically identifies the requirements of who, uh, of who is applying for the license, um, it's giving specific details of who the licensee is. Now, we don't want to find ourselves in a position where those requirements or that specific information is removed uh, because ultimately it, 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 it requires then what to, to clarify exactly then what are those requirements in absence of those provisions existing. So in short, our recommendation is that the proposed deletion of subsection 2 in terms of section uh, 16 subsection C be retained. Thank you, Elaine. Could you please move on to the next slide? It would be section 22, capital A, subsection 2. I speak. Almost there. <laughs> there we go. Just one slide back. Thank you. Thanks, Elaine. Um, so we, uh, as far as the additional principles are concerned, we, we note that this provision provides for, for additional principles um, that the minister may impose as far as applications dealing with exclusivity. And our, our real point is that we would require clarity on, on the extent of that scope of additional principles. Because if you have a look at Section uh, 4D, it specifically states that the minister may prescribe these principles. And that's what we just spoke about moments ago. But no context is given or, or confirmation is given at what constitutes those principles. So um, in our view, it's, it's, it's appropriate that those principles that the minister wishes to impose be specifically addressed and, and, and listed um, so, so that the licensee and that the energy, energy regulator knows from the outset under what circumstances the, the, the minister may exercise uh, such unfettered discretion uh, in, in that particular regard. So it's just ultimately knowing up front what the expectations are, having clarity on the basis on which 
um, the minister will include those additional principles and have guiding principles um, that are set out uh, in the act as a basis uh, so the licensee knows exactly what is required and what may be expected and the extent of the minister's powers or the, uh, the, impl the, the inclusion of additional principles are concerned. Thanks, Elaine. Please, next slide. Uh, as far as section uh, 22B, uh, capital B1 and, and 2 is concerned as a continuation, so while we, have, while we have clarified, identified that the minister may uh, is prescribed to, to include additional principles um, uh, and, and the point that it has to be identified up front, um, what we are trying to ensure that uh, for purposes of moving forward with, with the energy regulator, that the provision set out in section 22B, subsection 2, confirm the manner on how the energy regulator must also determine the, the tariff and the price and the methodology up front. Um, given that the energy regulator has already determined the scope, uh, it's only appropriate in our view that the minister's discretion to impose additional principles are also clarified on, on that particular basis. So as a fundamental basis, in, uh, it, it basically covers the fundamental basis in terms of what the minister would be able to do in the context of the objectives of the Act. And, and that is basically the main point, to ensure that the objectives of the Act are met, that we are not sitting in a situation where processes are being delayed. Uh, we know that there is a significant growth within this nascent industry. Um, and for us to be able to move forward or for industry and stakeholders to be able to move forward, that they have ultimate clarity. And that ultimate clarity also translates to an investor's appetite to be able to pursue these types of um, opportunities that exist in a rich, uh, a rich resource country like South Africa. So, and the first point at which they consider these things is based on what the legislation says. So, um, with that being said, um, I'd just like to thank you for, for your time, Chair, and uh, that concludes my role as the first presenter. Thank you very much. Thank you, Elaine. Can we go back to start three, four slides up, uh, dealing with section 21? Thank you so much. Uh, good morning, Chair and, and Honorable Chair and members of uh, the Portfolio Committee and colleagues. My name is Mzi Chokolo. Yes, sir. You are left with, um, you see, you, I won't say what, what you did. You are left with two minutes. No but, problem. Um, that, that's all I will with, need. With, with the discretions in my powers, yes, sir. I will grant you an extra three minutes. Much appreciated, very much. So we are left with five minutes. Yes, sir. And the presentation must be done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we, we as a licensee in the space and as a trader of natural gas and the second largest in the country have a lived experience of how the application of any of our laws um, is experienced on the ground. Our greatest and most critical concerns really pertain to the license conditions, which seek to, which is uh, stipulated in the amended section 21, which seeks to actually broaden the powers of the regulator and, and actually vest unfettered power on the regulator. And 
in addition to some of the more undefined powers that the, the minister now has, this is seen as creating unnecessary and, and uncertainty to, in the market and, and has the unintended consequences of creating more um, confusion and, and even stagnation of, of investments um, as foreseen in the in section 3.2 of the energy white uh, policy white paper. So um, I would like to perhaps uh, specifically just highlight the key problematic areas in section 21 and and start by um, highlighting um, what, next slide Elaine, so we can observe the five minutes we have. If one looks at the call for um, transparency and, and, and pricing that is now required, I mean, some of this information, yes, is, is to be shared with the regulator, but again, it's contractual information which belongs between the licensee and his customers. Um, the regulator is now required to, well, it's given power to demand this information at will. Next slide, uh, Elaine. Um, if one looks at uh, this particular ins uh, uh, pro um, uh, proposed amendment of Section 211J, um, there is a very serious problem being created here because it creates an environment of, in my opinion, competing provisions in the Act. The regulator already has powers as per Section 211P to set maximum prices for the gas uh, industry. This provision also allows them, as part of the licensing conditions, to start dabbling in what is referred to, and it's undefined as unreasonable or excessive prices. Firstly, the fact that unreasonable and excessive could be subjective in their nature, it actually is undefined in the bill. What it then does, it leaves the regulator with the discretion to make a determination as to whether a price is indeed excessive or unreasonable. This is happening in a context where there is already a provision in 211P of the current Gas Act where the regulator can set maximum prices. So for all intents and purposes, how then would one come out with the provision or a determination that says a price that's below the maximum price is now excessive or unreasonable? This provision is to either be clarified or in our opinion actually be removed uh, because it will not serve the market at all. Next slide, Elaine. We then go into where we allow the regulator to start dictating how infrastructure is actually built. Um, the regulator has no skills to actually uh, get involved in the contracting or subcontracting for that matter, um, activities in the construction and operation of gas facilities. This is something that is to be left to the licensees, not only because they have the skills, but actually they own the investment and need to actually be in charge of how these things are built and managed. Next slide, Elaine. We are coming from a uh, an environment where it is clear in the current uh, Gas Act 211P where the regulator now sets the maximum price. This, uh, the bill proposes that the regulator, it doesn't actually spell out, does the regulator still set the price or does it now approve the maximum price? This moves into a realm of the regulator actually setting prices for the market. There is quite a variety and a scope of um, these powers demonstrated, for instance, in section 34, uh, section, um, I think, 31 as well, where there's just cut blanche powers being given to the regulator. And in conclusion, I want to really 
uh, implore the, co- the portfolio committee to reassess this um, because the lived experience of an unfettered power in the regulator's hands does not serve a market in the state that the gas market is in South Africa, which is a very nascent and developmental state. It needs the scope to grow and the market is in a better position to actually grow the the, the, the industry rather than the regulator. Um, and I think in, 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 in consideration of the time I was given in addition, um, I would like to perhaps stop here. I, I think the point has been made. Thank you, Chair. Can we ask for another minute, uh, Honorable Chair? We we have a very brief bit of input from Mr. Tsabo Sepuma from DNG Energy. So, One minute, exactly. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Mr. Sepuma. Uh, if you could just very quickly go up to that section, the last section, uh, Alain. Thank you, Mr. Sepuma. You have one minute of glory, Mr. Sepuma. So it seems like Mr. Sepuma is not able to join or isn't. Uh, so, Chair, uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Craig Morkel just to close off in the one minute there. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Am I audible? You are audible. Thank you. Uh, Elaine, could you go to the context slides, please? Uh, further up. Okay, so one down. Thank you. Uh, Honourable Chairperson, members, and other participants, thank you very much. Uh, just very quick comments on the context of the Gas Act Amendment Bill. It's divided into three contexts, namely the policy context, the planning context, and the procurement context. I want to focus on the fact that uh, this amendment bill is uh, replacing the uh, uh, amendment bill that was published in 2013. Uh, participants commented on that, stakeholders commented on that, but it, it vanished. And uh, this is a, a new attempt that uh, misses some opportunities that were in the uh, 2013 uh, amendment bill. Uh, We asked the portfolio committee to revisit some of the issues that have been highlighted in our written submission and by our presenters today that reflect on the good work done in preparing the 2013 amendment bill. 
We also wish to bring to Parliament's attention that this Gas Act uh, defines gas as hydrocarbon gases that includes more than just natural gas, but also hydrogen and other gases. Yet, there are no regulations for hydrogen, and this could lead to challenges with licensing, operating, besides occupational health and safety. Uh, we, we also see that uh, there is a need to consider a energy charter, given that much of the energy sector in general, including gas, to power could be um, dealt with in the private sector with no public sector involvement at all, and therefore the preferential procurement policy framework act would not apply and would miss the opportunity for socioeconomic transformation. Next slide, please, Elaine. In terms of planning, we have a host of master plans from the NDP through to the IRP, the Just Energy Transition. We have a draft gas master plan under development, and there's also a hydrogen SA roadmap under development. The question then begs to be asked who coordinates and how these master plans fitting into each other? And are we able to radically improve implementation uh, beyond the procurement programs presently underway. If one looks at the IPP procurement program, one would note that despite preferred bidders being awarded, many of them uh, could have uh, been successful in their bids had there been spare grid capacity. This reflects on master planning that has gone awry. We also need to consider how LNG imports compete with indigenous gas and whether the infrastructure that will be made available would, would be complementary to realize indigenous gas for the purposes of our socioeconomic development. Also, contracts. Mr. Bokal, I will have to stop. Yes, sir. Unless the, it's, uh, it's the longest one minute uh, extension that I have ever met. If My we, apologies. If we get time, we will try and also reconsider to invite you. I don't want to set a wrong precedent when others ask, why do you give others close to 30 minutes and you give us 20 minutes? So please bear with us. If we, if we still have got time, uh, we will still come back and allow you to finish your point. No problem. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you. Can, uh, is the Sasson in? Are I take it when there is no answer, then they are not in. They are in, Chair. Yeah, they must answer. That's all. Good morning, Chair. Apologies for... We can't, we can't, see, we can't see you by a presentation hand. Anyone can put the presentation. Okay. I see um, you are Okay. Take us through to 25 past. If you finish before that, that's fine. Thank you, Chair. And Chair and Honourable Members, thank you for the opportunity that we've been afforded to present here. I think at the outset, we, we really want to um, just reiterate 
I think what Busa has said before, and that is that gas is imperative for the development of the South African con economy. It is a, a critical um, bridging fuel in terms of reducing emissions. It is certainly something that that is that is absolutely required to to achieve a just transition and eventually get to 2050. Uh, to the 2050 net zero targets that are that are widely um, widely supported, um, but but more than that, in in the in the immediate short term, there is a very large industrial base in KZN and Pumalanga, um, Gauteng, the Free State, and you know a, a small portion in in the northwest province that are currently rely, uh, reliant on gas. And you know, against that background, this is a critically important piece of uh, uh, piece of legislation that must um, enable and sort of accelerate the ability of um, participants in the industry to bring uh, to bring additional gas sources into the country. As I think um, we we must just reiterate, Busa pointed out that the current natural gas sources that um, supply South Africa from northern Mozambique will start depleting and need to be replaced to keep to keep um, to keep uh, to keep uh, the industry going um, after that broad a uh, broad sort of introductory um, piece I think what we will do um, now chair is I'll, I'll deal with a definition of reticulation which is quite concerning and maybe an, an oversight um, in the act and then I'll hand over to my colleague, uh, Mr. J.P. Mankies, who will talk to uh, on, along more technical lines on the, the implication of some of the definitions and, and sections in the Act. I think if, if we look at the definition of reticulation, um, the, the regulation seems to now reserve reticulation as a service provided by municipalities. Um, whether this is intentional or not, we don't know. Um, municipalities currently, to our knowledge, have no no skills or ability to to provide these um, this kind of service, and and that reservation would have the perverse effect of actually undoing um, the current entities that are reticulating and have developed reticulation reticulation skill skill and capabilities. Um, our recommendation in terms of, recommend, uh, of of reticulation would be that the um, the definition be amended that the regulation of reticulation is a municipal competency, but the provision of that service is open to 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 suitable um, to to suitable entities that can meet the requirements to be reticulators um, of gas. And with that, I'll just hand over to Mr. Mankies. Uh, good morning, uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, as well as the other colleagues online. 
Um, I think the, um, as Busa has indicated, um, there has, as part of the process in commenting on the, the bill and the consideration, there has been uh, input given from our side as well on a line-by-line -line analysis of, the, um, of the, the proposed legislation. And what we would like to do in the rest of the, the time allotted to us is just highlight a few of the major um, uh, concerns that, uh, that we also pointed out in the submissions previously made. I think um, one of the, um, uh, uh, the first one where we want to start uh, also links on to one of the points that Unpasa's uh, presentation dealt with earlier, and that is that um, in the current legislation before the proposed amendment, the um, production is, um, is, is defined in a way that includes both the synthetic uh, production of gas as well as the production of natural and other gases in, in the normal upstream um, context of it. The proposed, um, within the context of that existing production definition, there is then a requirement for um, producers of gas and importers of gas to register with NASA. And in that way, obviously, NASA takes cognizance of the gas that comes into the South African market. However, the licensing and the regulation of the production of the gas doesn't fall within the context of the Gas Act and remains within the context of legislation like the MPRDA and the, um, the, the, the Petroleum Development Resources Bill that is currently in process. Now, in the um, amendment which is currently under consideration, the proposal is to change the definition of production and production will, in, in the amended act, only refer to production as contemplated in the MPRDA and therefore will not expressly include the synthetic production of, um, of gas. The, the, the further concerning um, uh, issue in this regard is the fact that the, the amendment proposed to change the definition of trading from what it is currently, namely the purchasing and sale of gas. And in the proposed amendment, the, um, the, the, the Gas Act will in future provide that trading is the sale of gas to certain entities as defined in, in the specific definition. Now, the consequence of this seemingly small change is that there is a, a resulting double um, regulation that is brought about because if a producer of gas now in um, uh, is, is selling the gas that is produced, whether that gas is produced from an upstream source or, or a, um, a, a manufactured source, then under this new amended definition of trading, such a person will be engaging in the trading activity, will be required to get a, a trading license in terms of the Gas Act from NASA, in addition to the licenses and concessions that such a, um, a producer already is required to uh, um, obtain in terms of the MPRDA or the applicable legislation that regulates the upstream activity. And then furthermore, as a, a trading licensee in terms of the Gas Act, such producers will therefore um, 
also fall within the ambit of the price regulation that the Gas Act provides for. And therefore, in addition to the licensing requirements that a, a upstream entity would need to comply with under the MPRDA and similar legislation, in addition to that, the, um, uh, the upstream participants in that part of the value to the gas value chain will also be required to comply with the requirements of the Gas Act. Um, in order to address this concern and to make sure that there is a clear line between the regulation of upstream production activities and the downstream trading activities in the commercial and retail mark market, the, um, the recommendation that we want to put forward is that the definition should um, include the phrase purchase and sale of gas in order to, um, to avoid the, um, the, the, the concerning consequences that we've pointed out. The next point that um, we uh, would like to, to highlight as a, a concern to be addressed in the drafting of the, the legislation is the inherent consistency of the, the, the two particular provisions in the Act that deals with price regulation by, um, by the regulator. So the new Section 22B that is proposed um, in the amendment bill provides for the regulation by NASA of uh, tariffs and prices. And the way that the Gas Act structures the, 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 um, the regulation of the gas market is tariffs deal with the, um, the service um, uh, linked to infrastructure like transmission and distribution, storage, regasification and the like. And the services rendered by the use of that infrastructure is rewarded through a tariff to be regulated by the regulator. The bill also um, uh, intends to expand the, re the, the jurisdiction of the, um, the, um, of the regulator to include the regulation of distribution tariffs. We, from Sassel's side as a licensee in the distribution space, we note that expansion of the, um, the jurisdiction of the regulation. And, um, but in our view, that will not bring about major implications because in any event, the way that the distribution tariffs are, are set out um, at the moment complies and is aligned with the tariff methodology that NASA has adopted for transmission tariffs. So when it comes to the regulation of price and price is the compensation for the actual sale of the commodity, um, the, 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 the gas molecule in itself, Section 211P and the amended version thereof maintains the requirement that inadequate competition must exist in the market for the jurisdiction of NASA to be established to regulate the maximum prices. However, when one looks at the, um, the drafting in Section 22B, then that um, uh, prerequisite for the regulator's jurisdiction over maximum prices is absent. And in reading the two sections together, there is then an um, ambiguity created. And our recommendation is that in section 22B, um, either a cross-reference back to 211P or a reference to the requirement of inadequate competition should be included.
The last point with regards to Section 22B that we would like to, to highlight is the fact that this um, section currently um, obliges NASA to regulate tariffs and prices. The current language in Section 211P and in Section 4 of the Act requires monitoring and approving um, and in, if necessary, regulating. And in Section 211P, dealing with prices, it expressly requires the approval of maximum prices by NASA. Now, this um, process or procedure that has been created by the Gas Act puts NASA in a position that it is um, appraised of the applicable context within which a maximum price or a tariff is applied for by the licensee and therefore NASA is put in a place to adequately uh, uh, evaluate and weigh up the, the different interests of the licensee as supplier of the service or the commodity and the, the users of the service. Um, and the Act also requires uh, the, the tariffs or the prices to be approved for a specific licensee. Uh, moving away from this approach uh, will will and 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 basically uh, obliging NASA to regulate all tariffs and all prices may lead to a a, a one size fits all type of approach both for the regulation of tariffs and prices which may not take into account the specific circumstances and the different sources of gas that actually comes into the market and in this regard our recommendation is that section 22b should terrify that the process is still uh, requiring an approval of tariffs and prices by nasa and then the, the last uh, point that we want to address is the, um, the introduction of the requirement for the gas master plan in section 28A and then the, the, the 28B process of ministerial determination, which is linked to that. Now, obviously, we welcome the fact that the, the Gas Act specifically refers to the requirement and places an obligation on the minister to, uh, to, to generate and publish the gas master plan because that links back to the requirements of sector-specific master plans as um, set out in the National Energy Act. Um, and, and therefore, it, it creates a coherent um, policy and regulatory framework by um, uh, evolving or devolving that requirement also into the sector-specific regulatory um, legislation, namely the Gas Act. The concerning issue is just that it is important that the gas master plan be in place in order to provide a, a policy and regulatory certainty to participants and intended investors in the market. And our recommendation is that um, in section uh, 28A, um, there should, in addition, be a requirement that the, the, the first gas master plan should be published within a certain time of the promulgation of the um, amendment of the Act. And then the cadence on which the review and the updating of that plan um, is required from the minister should also be, um, be specified in the legislation to ensure the policy certainty um, um, is, is provided to the market and all the relevant stakeholders. And then um, 
the, the process that is um, introduced in Section 28B, where there is a specific power granted to the minister to determine the need for new or expanded transmission, regasification, and other infrastructure, we think that that is a, a, a positive move in the support of ultimately implementing the gas master plan and making sure that the daily required future investment in the market is brought um, is, is is brought into into operation um, and and the necessary importance and um, and uh, in, uh, uh, requirement of the development is addressed by this mechanism. From a concern point of view, there's two issues that we just want to highlight in this regard, because the way that the, 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 the section is currently stru structured, it actually creates a two-step approval process. So for a, a major project or additional infrastructure, you first need the ministerial determination, but then secondly, you still also have to go through the process of getting the appropriate licenses and the appropriate approvals from the energy regulator. Now, that obviously appears to have an adverse effect on the timelines for new projects and, um, and further, it also creates some doubt about the interrelationship between the powers and the jurisdiction of the minister in comparison to the, um, the, the jurisdiction and the power of the regulator, which in terms of Section 9 of the NARSA Act is required to act independently. But in this specific provision, there is a requirement that the, the power of licensing to be exercised by NASA is pre-determined um, or pre-requires a determination by the minister. And that might uh, uh, adversely impact on the independency of, of the regulator. So in order to avoid the, the concern that we highlighted, the recommendations that we have put forward for consideration by the, um, the, the portfolio committee and the legislature is that the guidance and the approval to be provided by the, the, the minister should maybe be challenged or channeled through the, the provisions of regulation and the power to make regulation that is provided for in Section 34, and that the interrelationship between the jurisdiction and the power of the minister and the regulator be carefully considered once the final uh, version of, the, um, of this amendment bill is considered. And that is the, 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 um, the high highlights of the, the specific concerns that we've put forward in the comments that we've made on the bill and we thank you for the opportunity to highlight it in this forum as well. Thank you Mr. Chairman. Are you done? Thank you, yes, Chair. That, that concludes our, our presentation. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, maybe, maybe I was still waiting for the full stop. Um,
I think the last one uh, now will be Kosatu Neari and Ayanda, correct? It's correct, Chair. Yes, Kosatu, uh, can you take your take us to uh, 10.45? Good morning, Comrade Chair. Good morning, colleagues and comrades on the committee. It is our pleasure to do a presentation here today. And yes, we'll certainly take less than the allocated 20 minutes. But can I ask that the office kindly flights the presentation as we had made arrangements for them to do that? Thank you, Chair. Chair, a lot of the other points that have been made are areas that we largely in agreement with, especially those that relate to the importance and centrality of energy supply, the challenges we have around energy in the country, and then the knock-on effect of rising energy prices across the economy and its resultant impact on workers and poorer communities generally. But also, as has been reported, the need for a clear industrial strategy that premises the centrality of gas in our society and ensures that it brings together the various initiatives that has been put in place. But I'd like to start by way of introduction, Chair, to welcome the tabling of the Gas Amendment Bill at Parliament. We believe that this is progressible. It is long overdue because between 2013 and 2018, we've done a line-by-line -line engagement on the provisions of the bill in NEDLAC, and we stand by that and trust that you've received those reports. We support the bill as it's based on the following key principles that is provided for in the bill. And if we go to the next slide, we'd like to touch on that very briefly. The first one is on the key economic and energy growth sectors. Gas chair is a key potential growth sector. It has the potential to create badly needed jobs, attract significant domestic and international investment, and contribute towards the development of infrastructure, in line clearly with what the Presidential Economic Reconstruction Program is and our desire to support that in any way that we can. It has been identified as needing to play a critical role in South Africa's energy mix for the foreseeable future under the 2019 IOP. And this new integrated energy plan has been adopted by all of us. And if we can move to the next slide, please. This bill seeks to unlock growth and investment in the sector and to foster competition. It will help to avoid the unhealthy preponderance of de facto monopolies that we see across the economy. One of the biggest challenges in the South African economy at the moment is the fact that it is such a concentrated uh, economy with many of the historical owners of wealth in South Africa getting the inside track on coming into new sectors and with the intention of ensuring that we promote transformation, we have to ensure that we undo those monopolies and that sense of concentration that exists within the economy. Gas, in our view, is an important component of regional economic growth, and in particular for Mozambique, where South Africa is a key investor and where we continue to procure most of our gas from. The growth in Mozambique will also ensure that we are able to contribute to addressing this notion of South Africa being an island of prosperity in a sea of poverty around us. We've got to make sure that we develop the economies of our neighbors, that they're able to absorb employment, and that as part of the Continental Growth Agreement, that the measures and the new industries that emerge are integrated and linked across the economy of the continent. Can we move on to the next one, please? This bill addresses many of the gaps in the existing act. Uh, I think it's sticking now, Chair, so we can just 
just try again. But this bill seeks to unlock health, and there we go. Various gaps in the existing act and helps to ensure that it is brought into line with the current economic developments that the state and to ensure that the state is sufficiently capacitated to play a developmental as well as an oversight role. The regulations are absolutely essential so that all of the players know exactly what the rules of the game is. But we also have to ensure that we respond to the developmental role that this is a key energy source in South Africa. This economy can, can play out. The next point relates to broad-based black economic empowerment. The bill in its present form updates the act to ensure that there's full compliance with government's BE legislative requirement. This bill also provides space and support for inclusive definitions of potential economic old players, including but not limited to cooperatives, work and community-owned participation, and then the general entrepreneurial activity. These are critical if the economic ownership patterns are to be transformed in South Africa and workers and communities are to be meaningfully empowered. If we can move on to the pricing, the bill provides and empowers NERSA to play a critical role with regard to tariffs and price setting. NERSA and the role that is played in the rest of the economy and more particularly the tariffs around electricity has shown that they're an independent institution and we believe that year two they must demonstrate that responsibility. In particular, we believe it empowers NERSA to set maximum prices. It also compels companies to disclose their cost structures so that we can evaluate their pricing requirements and pricing demands, and also ensure that NERSA is required to conduct its oversight and decision-making processes in a manner that is transparent to all of the players in the industry, as well to the, to the communities who depend thereon. The next pricing slide talks about the need to appreciate that these are critical to protect the interest of consumers, workers, and the public at large. It is also in the interest of ensuring economic growth and to prevent monopolies from imposing stifling tariffs that will suffocate the economy. We've dealt with that point in a bit of detail earlier, but it is essential that new sources of energy take playing more prominent roles in the South African economy, that the pricing thereof is absolutely carefully regulate, regulated so that it has a developmental impact on the South African society. The Integrated Gas Development Plan. We believe that the bill requires the minister to develop and adopt an integrated gas development plan. This will help to ensure that indeed this integrated gas development plan is brought to fruition and that the government gives serious thought to growing the sector and providing the necessary support for this. If he does not, then the minister should be held legally accountable, and the bill does allow for that. We think it's absolutely important, Chair, that along the lines of drafting master plans and co-creating what industry should be looking like, here also in the bill is an opportunity to ensure that that unfolds in line with what is certainly central to the economic recovery plan. Under compliance measures, we believe that the bill compels the government to hold industry accountable. It provides the state with sufficient measures to ensure that industry complies with its various obligations that arises from this bill and elsewhere, and that it also deals with health and safety obligations placed on it by the law. The compliance measures is the next slide, and this deals specifically with stiff penalties to ensure that breaches of compliance are dealt with effectively 
any of those fines are not sufficient to deal with any breaches, then there is provision for the revoking, revoking of operating licenses. We believe that these will go a long way to ensure the industry complies with its legal obligations, but it will also help to protect the health and safety of workers and communities, as well as the environment. If I can now move to our concluding comments, Chair, and we'd like to thank the committee for the opportunity to present here. We want to assure the committee that Kusatu supports and urges the speedy passage of the Gas Amendment Court Bill. Gas Amendment Bill. It will provide an additional boost in support of the growth of a key sector of the econ economy and, and is a central component of the energy mix in South Africa. We further believe that it will significantly empower the state to play a key developmental and transformational role as provided for in the Constitution. We think, Chair, that it's long overdue to get this bill uh, processed through Parliament. Its provision should now take effect, and that will help us to both evaluate how the objectives that we've set ourselves has been met and what additional considerations need to be given in the future. But we believe the time is now for action because, if anything, the unemployment levels, the slowness of our economic recovery in calls upon all of us to ensure that we respond more effectively to getting the provisions in place that is going to have a positive and boosting effect on the economy. Can I thank you, Comrade Chair, for the opportunity and thank the committee for its attention. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Kosato, um, for that uh, presentation and uh, absolutely spot on, far below time. Uh, Thank you very much, but uh, I'm sure, as I said, the, the points were well made. Can I uh, just uh, allow me, Kosatu took even uh, less than um, a minute. Can I go back to Saoga? I'm giving you exactly four minutes because the fifth minute is the one I will be utilizing to take the way forward. I'm uh, in the extra five minutes that Kosati has left, I'm giving you four minutes, one, mi one minute. Uh, uh, so please um, come back uh, at uh, 40 minutes, uh, 10.40. In fact, they were supposed to finish at 10.45. Come back at 10.40. I'm giving you to summarize and, and conclude your, your input. Are you gone? Saoga, uh, Chair, we, we are here. Um, yeah. Can you complete uh, your four minutes? Uh, shall we start immediately, Chair? I thought you were starting already. Okay. Um, we will need the slide back up from uh, Elaine. But, Chair, um, in the meantime, uh, on context, we, we covered policy. We covered some planning aspects. And uh, we, we highlighted that the IPP procurement programs uh, are an example of, of bad uh, master planning where gas, uh, in particular gas to power, would need spare grid capacity. We also highlighted that um, there is competition between LNG and uh, imports and indigenous gas, especially around the contracting, contracting for LNG 
is generally a long-term contract of about 20 years, and uh, this may lock out indigenous gas, which uh, by all indications could go into production within the next three to five years at commercial scale. Uh, the, the opportunity exists for um, procurement documents to then define whether one can, in fact, switch from LNG to indigenous gas or be locked into a take-or-pay arrangement, as we've seen in the risk mitigation program. Uh, then we also need to ask ourselves the question whether natural gas infrastructure, such as pipelines and ports, will lock, will lock out local hydrogen production that also may need to use those ports for export uh, of, of green hydrogen and related products. Next slide, please. Chair, this slide uh, talks to the context of procurement. Um, we know that the overriding public finance principle is value for money and that it covers affordability and not only affordability and lease cost, but also risk, which includes threats and opportunities besides the socioeconomic benefits that must accrue. There are seven uh, economic development elements uh, that are listed there. I'm not going to go through them, but these are the, the basic uh, unpacking of what economic development and socioeconomic benefits in particular would mean in the procurement context. That will need to be defined in procurement programs uh, for gas, uh, even licensing, operation, um, operating licenses, and associated conditions. We need to ask ourselves whether the uh, DMRE and the IPP office uh, will procure the 3,000 megawatts of gas to power next year in a manner that applies lessons learned from, for example, uh, the LNG imports, um, uh, you know, hold the risk of both commodity price and exchange rate uh, fluctuations and uh, the impact ultimately on end users in particular uh, to achieve universal service and access. Uh, will, will the contracts then make provision to mitigate those risks is the key question. Would preference be given to foreign interests or will economic development requirements be watered down to uh, the, the level of insignificance? Where, for example, in previous uh, procurement programs, 90% of the weight uh, is on price and only 10% on economic development. Uh, then also, although there were requirements for local content, exemptions were, were granted um, almost uh, willy-nilly by the DTIC, despite this being requirements from the DMRE and IPP office. Uh, we also need to make sure that bidders are required to name their South African and BE partners during the qualification and evaluation stages of procurement processes, or else we will face the challenge of having foreigners dictating uh, you know, who, who their partners will be, whereas we can have South Africans and in particular black project developers develop their projects and invite and hold a pageant for foreign uh, investors to come in once uh, South Africans have had the opportunity to develop their projects. We also need to avoid the, the lessons learned from the risk mitigation program. We've seen uh, that program in court from various quarters and the, the lessons could be applied. Chair, in, in closing, we'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity and remind you that this is our oral submission only, that uh, uh, in the deliberations, we, we urge members to consider our written submission, which is far more substantive, and uh, we remain available for any clarifications during those deliberations. Thank you very much, Chair. 
thank you very much, uh, Saoga. I'm sure you, uh, we, we take notes of all the presentations that have been made and uh, hopefully they will, as you have suggested, uh, shape the thinking uh, of members and uh, will assist them to even have a broader and a much more informed uh, 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 deliberations uh, when that opportunity presents itself. Uh, having said that, uh, I'm sure I'm the most fetched person uh, uh, all of you have ever met. I tried my level best um, uh, to be as, uh, as good as possible. Honorable members, are there any questions not in terms of positioner? Uh, I always say this thing, questions that um, as members would want, let's say from what I would have said, you just need to get clarity on the meaning of what I would have said so that uh, when we there are deliberation, there's no distortion of what uh, I know. We, the fact that I'm off, I've got a different view does not necessarily mean I seek. That's why I'm saying it's only a clarity that uh, do you mean this or do you mean that? Are there any questions to that effect? Not positional um, uh, uh, clarity on, on anything positional. Okay, in the, in the absence of that, uh, uh, to all the participants and uh, those that have um, made based on their written submission, their oral submission. We thank you very much for, for your submission. Um, and um, as you know, um, we have not yet, from a committee point of view, engaged on what is the attitude of each members of the committee with regards to the proposed amendments by the department. At this stage, we are dealing with what the department has proposed. Um, and, and therefore, we can or we may arrive at a point where we, we, we may reject uh, some of the proposals. Uh, we may reject some of the proposals or we may reject all the amendments. We may accept all the amendments we may add any things that uh, might be silent on the proposal. So it is that exercise. At the end of the day, we think that uh, it, will, it, it gives, in fact, uh, they say that it even capacitates some of us um, in terms of uh, a better knowledge of what we'll be dealing with. Uh, having said so, uh, I thank you very much. We can now, if uh, time allows us to deal with the basics of the, of the committee um, with regards to, oh, we have a scheduled, we have not finished the, the public care consultations. I prefer to use the word public consultations than public hearings, but I know it's commonly known as uh, public hearings, but I prefer public consultations. Uh, we have not finished. We will be 
starting early next year, hopefully as approved, uh, starting early next year with the Eastern Cape. And then uh, from the Eastern Cape, we will uh, then uh, touch on, uh, um, what is this? We'll touch on uh, Western Cape. From Western Cape, we'll go to Northern Cape and then um, Free State will be our last uh, destination. So we, we, we hope uh, in as much as you may have made your submissions here, there may be others who would have missed to submit a written submissions. We will still be open on those public hearings to hear their own views before we then start to deliberate on the, on the proposed uh, amendment to the Act of 2001. Thank you very much uh, for, for, for your submissions. Uh, are, we, are we not supposed now to be dealing with the set of minutes outstanding? It is correct, sir. The outstanding minutes. Yes. Uh, let me check first. Uh, Okay, uh, the minutes of the, the minutes of the 31st August, there's, uh, there's the attendance and uh, the rest, uh, number one, number two, don't rush. Number two, number three, wait, don't rush. Go up where it starts. Okay, bullet one, bullet two. Bullet three. Bullet four, um, bullet five, six, the one that start with Nersa, and you don't know about it, the one that start with, um, Petroist A. Uh, on 
himself. Next, sir. Uh, Okay. SFF. Um, second from bottom. The last one, last one. Number four. Um, any move of the minutes? I move, Chair, for the adoption of the minutes as the true reflection. Thank you. Any second? Uh? I second, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Mashaule. Any matters arising? Can we say, can we say, honourable members, all these um, these matters uh, remain outstanding matters. Uh, that uh, if, if you note, for an example, that uh, the last bullet says the department made a commitment. In fact, you must take out in that made a commitment that they would attend to all the issues that have been brought to their attention. The department was aware of these issues and had started working on them, but just needed to be frank and honest when they appear before the committee on how they were going to deal with those issues. I'm just saying with that said, no, I'm saying I retake the in after the commitment. Suppose we say the department made a commitment, not in, that they would. Can we then maintain that uh, it means at some point uh, in the program, we will need to again get progress reports on, on, on now directly consequent management measures that would have been taken uh, as the department has made it aware. Can we, can we live with that, honorable members? Supported, chair. Thank you. Next set of minutes. Uh, number one. Uh, yes, number two. Uh, two point one. I won't. 
go to go down array. Two point one, two, three. Let's go to three array. Go down array. Um, can you pop a bit? Go, 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 go down. Oh, okay. Um, is there any move of the minute? Yeah, I can hear move for the adoption. Okay. Is that uh, is that honourable Volmaraz uh, who's move for the adoption? Indeed, sir. Uh, I heard the voice was it honourable Langa. No, it was uh, Mashaouli too. Oh, Mashaouli, a second day. Yes. Okay. Uh, being the case as it may, are there any matters arising? Uh, I think the information as requested was as it was done. Um, we are dealing uh, next week's Tuesday with the issue with regards to the risk mitigation independent power producer uh, procurement. So I don't think there is any other matter. Are there any other minutes, uh, Ari? Yes, Chair. Yes. Yeah. 16, 19 November. 16, 19, 23, and 30 November, Chair. Yes. Bring them on. We're still on time. Uh, let's leave the preliminaries. Let's go to yes opening. Uh, the beautiful R's. Why my mind it pretend makes as if we okay. Okay, let's go. Any mover of the minutes? I move, Chair. Honorable Volmarans and the seconder. Seconded, Chair. 
Thank you very much. Matters arising, I don't see how possible would it be to have matters arising, but that's the procedure. Okay, next act of minutes, 19. Uh, A is 19. Sorry, Chair, I'm just opening. You lost them, Ari. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just looking for it now, Chair. Uh, what is it? 19. Let me check for you. <laughs> I need to close some of these first, Chair, before it shows. <laughs> Um, where is it now? Do you have the ones on the, is it uh, 21? It's 19 now, Chair. There we go. Yes. Yes, uh, let's go to accept if there's any other matter. This one is very short. Two and three. Any mover? Yes, Chair. I move for the adoption of these minutes. Thank you, Bablanga. Any second? Second, check. Thank you, Mr. Mashaule. The last one, Ari. Second last one, sir. Ah, I thought you were the last one. Okay, now let's. What date is this one? Is it 23? 23. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Number five. Closed. Any mover? Okay, I move for the adoption of the minutes, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Volmar. And second, seconder. Seconded, Chair. Thank you, Mama Linga. Any matters arising? Can you go up, Ari? Um, except the, the first one, honorable members, I'm sure in the when we deal with the first quarter, we will include the issue with regards to consultation with stakeholders. The second one, for now, um, I must make a confession. Uh, we have not uh, yet uh, sought that uh, 
legal request from parliamentary service, but we will surely do it by the next by next week. We will have done the the the, the request for clarity. And uh, let's go to the last one then, Ari, or last week, Tuesday. Last Tuesday. Tuesday's one, yeah. Yes. Uh, you take us straight to two. Uh, is there go down? Uh, is there any move of this minute? I move, Chair. Thank you. Any second? Huh? I for a second, Chair. Thank you very much for your uh, honorable volmarans. Any matters arising, they can be. In the absence of uh, matters arising, honorable members, we will meet uh, again next week, Tuesday, and uh, we will provide the way forward with regards to uh, other activities. Can all members who will be undertaking the, will be undertaking the, 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 the public please confirm with the secretariat uh, the soonest uh, can I also appeal, I'm sure we will have a discussion with the Secretariat, that uh, uh, we still have got time. We need to start informing most of these areas where we are going, as well as to start to do the necessary work as far as uh, the interpretation of the information, as well as the level of the question of um, education exercise that must be done. Uh, on that note, the meeting is done. Before you yes, close, sir. can we request that all the members stay behind quickly, Chair, that are yeah. on the platform? All the members that are on the platform, can we request that they quickly stay behind, Chair? Ayanda, just want to raise something quickly. Or members of the committee? That's correct, Chair. Okay. Yeah. The problem so, is that we don't know what does remaining behind mean because we're on the virtual platform. But uh, you are all released except the members of the committee. Thank you. Let's hear from Ayanda. I'll remove all these others, Ayanda. Ari. Yes, I am. Yes. Please pick up your phone. Oh, okay. Is that the Secretariat caucus? Can I continue, or are you still taking out the mirrors? 
I'm still taking out the others, uh, Ayanda. Okay. 